All right, hello and welcome, dear listener. I'm Adam. I'm Sean. And I'm Mike. And for one last time, we're going to talk about the Gorlame, <laughs> the Arrivederci, the great Quentin Tarantino, and his last film, To Date, which would be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But before that, Sean has graced us once again, yet again, with a beer tasting here. So, Sean, what'd you bring us tonight? Well, you know, gentlemen, I've heard uh, a lot of talk lately about um, mocktails. Mm-hmm. And near beers and people who are still enjoying the, I guess, uh, the, uh, the companionship, mm-hmm. the uh, the community of drinking, but without the alcoholic necessity. And since I am already three sheets to the wind on, uh, <laughs> on the uh, margaritas we've been vibing uh, earlier today, I thought, you know, let's, let's change it up a little bit. I've been really curious to see, are non-alcoholic beers any good? Because yeah. honestly, as a kid, you give me a beer, I'd be like, what the fuck is that? Why do people yeah. drink this? Right. Yeah. But as you become more of a uh, discerning palate and your palate evolves, you start to realize that like, there are nuances to the flavor and you enjoy beer for the flavor too. I don't drink beer really to get drunk anymore. I drink it because I like the taste of like a good right. porter or something mm-hmm. like that. And I thought, well, let's see what these things have to bring when there is no alcohol in it. Yeah. So if you guys are willing to join me on this, uh, sure, on sure. this rated G uh, <laughs> journey, rated G. So tonight we are enjoying uh, Sam Adams non-alcoholic IPA called Just the Haze. It's hazy, juicy, and refreshing, according to the can. Uh, the thing at our local grocer there said that it is America's number one non-alcoholic beer. Oh, I did not know more that. than O'Doul's. Same. So. <laughs> so it's uh it even says it it says it on the box best non-alcoholic yeah. beer in america it won more than the... o'doul's it says it on the box is it really no 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 <laughs> 2022 gold something too small because i don't have my readers on oh, oh, probably oh, oh, god i'm getting old it also says contains less than 0.5 percent alcohol that's mm-hmm. not zero <laughs> well <laughs> so if you drank a case of these Conceivably, you might catch a buzz. You might have a beer. Well, do you want to hear their process? Yes. Shall I? Yes, please. Here we go. Sean is in fine voice tonight, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the bonus cast if you don't know what we're referring to. With this Samuel Adams non-alcoholic brew, we remove the alcohol slowly and gently. <laughs> Leaving all the rich flavors of a world-class IPA. It's hazy, happy, and, I'm sorry, hoppy. (laughs) Happy. (laughs) And brewed with uh, pride and attention to detail. Cheers. (laughs) That was fantastic, man. That was really good. Yeah, no, it, honestly, I would buy your R&B album. <laughs> Even my, like, breaking character in the middle of it. Oh, my God. I This is the sad thing. I'm 42 fucking years old, and I need bifocals. What? <laughs> I can't read the goddamn can. That comes from a lifetime of That's reading awesome. students' papers. Ah, oh, you're right. True. You're that right. Is this is the pain of the English teacher. That's yeah. right. All I mean, right, let's try this happy beer. Let's, let's yeah. <laughs> Crack them. Oh, I can't even get the damn thing to crack. There it goes. Yeah. It was nearly cracked. So, this is honest to God, to the best of my recollection, the first time in my life that I have ever had a non-alcoholic beer. Same. 
And um, it's fine. It's good. I mean, honestly, if you put this in a glass and gave it to me, I, I don't feel like I'd be worried that I was drinking one of those 9 or 10% hazy IPAs. No. Uh, but I'd believe you that this was a beer yeah. with alcohol in it. it. It's I'm not an IPA guy. You guys know mm-hmm. that. So for me, it's like I'm I'm pushing it. It's got a decent flavor, but it t- I don't know. Maybe it's am I imagining it? Is it the placebo effect? There's like a bite <laughs> that's just not there. No, I, I don't think you're imagining it. You no. with a hazy IPA, I usually get more like grapefruit. And I think that's yeah. that bite you're talking mm. about. With this, I'm getting more pineapple. Like it's a oh, little, yeah. it's a little tamer. Okay. Yeah. Well, it might just be the hops they use. It could too. be that too. Yeah. You know, it's hard to tell. <laughs> well, they I did mean, slowly we... and gently. <laughs> I mean, you got all night. <laughs> um, right? That should be their slogan for this. <laughs> yes. You got all night. Damn I it. wrote that yes. for you. Because you're not getting drunk, so you got no. nothing to worry about. <laughs> yeah, I just want to get it over with. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> then you need to grab like a uh, pastry stout or something at 15%. <laughs> oh, shit. Pastry stout. Awesome. Mm. You know what, though? Honestly, I, I'm not an IPA guy, but it does not taste bad. No, it, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's fine. It's good. I mean, if I were, if I had a reason to not be drinking an alcoholic beer, uh, I would be very happy with this. Yeah. yeah. It's no, not, same here. It's, it, you can still feel like you're a part of the crew, and and I mean, we're driving home and things like that. And you're like, you know, you still had a beer. I'm not sure how that works. Then, hmm. Does the officers smell beer in your breath. They still have to <laughs> breathalyze you. Well, I guess if it came, comes to that, they can do a field sobriety or they can do a breathalyzer, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're drinking, if you if you drink like a six pack of non-alcoholic beer. I would opt for the breathalyzer so you don't screw up the field sobriety. I'm really fucking tempted now to down like six oh, of these and have my state trooper buddy like like go through a whole thing and like mm-hmm. do a test on me and all that and see what happens. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> so if you're listening and you're one of my friends and you're in the law enforcement uh, field, you know who you are. One, two. Bring your breathalyzer <laughs> next time we get together, please and thank you. Okay. That's the I don't know. If th- this is probably not exactly how the math works, but like 0.5, and it's less than 0.5. But let's say 0.5, it's right? Than, yeah. So six beers would that would that be equivalent to a three percent beer? A beer with three percent that would be like very, a Mick Ultra. Or yeah, something? it would still be. That's, that's I think cool Mick Ultra yeah. is, is more than three percent. Yeah, I think that even those are like four point something. Well, I mean, I didn't have to get carded to buy this, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. probably more alcohol than like uh, like some cooking products. How many of these would you have to drink to get to like a, the equivalent of a five percent beer? Oh man, that's like a MythBusters. Ten. I gotta drink a keg of non-alcoholic <laughs> beer in order to <laughs> ten. Yeah, dude, that guy that's did the most funny. epic keg stand ever. Oh my god, <laughs> how are you standing, bro? Yeah, so I don't even key, feel man. a thing. I'm good. Yeah. We might be defeating the whole idea of the non-alcoholic thing by encouraging them to go to parties and, <laughs> and like, trick other people into thinking they're drinking. Fucking shotgunning at eight beers. <laughs> yeah. That guy's a badass. Whoa. He's bottling like eight beers. But He's not even slurring his words. Remember, Sam Adams, we said all this. You want a sponsor? We're yes. open to sponsorships. Right. We'll yeah. ship your beer. Yeah, Very this beer, open. you know, I would... I dig it. Honestly, it's not bad. And again, I think... If you're looking at it, it does say clearly non-alcoholic IPA. Yeah. Well, you pour this in a glass, and no one's going to know what the hell you're drinking. And it's, no. I don't feel left out with like this. I would feel I this agreed. is fine. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, honestly, the whole mocktail, like, way things are going with that and all that, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah. I think yeah. it's cool. I think, you know, people still want to be social and not have to do deal with the sloppiness of, of being drunk or, the you know, the 
potential consequences. Yep. Awesome. Hell Bring yeah. It. Yeah. Absolutely. Legal consequences aside, hangovers get worse as you get old. That's oh, true. God. Absolutely. Oh, my God. One of my favorite online writers is uh, Drew Magri. Shout out to Drew Magri, uh, who writes for Defector and GQ and other places. And I, he's a teetotaler now because of he had an issue with a brain injury. Ooh. That's something that happened a couple of years ago. And he talks about how he drinks mocktails and mm-hmm. things like that when he's out with people and that and how he doesn't really miss it at all. And it's, you know, it's interesting just to see, you know, obviously we all come from the same college background, right? You know, like, you know, oh, you got to drink to get drunk. And that's like the whole right. point. Yeah. But, you know, I think the older we get, the more we realize that sometimes it's, it's more about the experience of the flavors and the taste and, and being with people mm-hmm. and that kind of camaraderie. So it's definitely got its place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's a there's a ton of breweries making non-alcoholic beers. Uh, Athletic makes a ton, like mm. of every kind. Sam, I think every major brand um, has at least maybe the top five in a not not the Coors, right? You know, Labatt. Actually, Labatt does have an NA, um, but yeah, they're all making them now because they're realizing like. They don't want to exclude like any audience. You can include more right. people if it's a growing can... market for sure. Yeah. Well, I'll say as someone who has a forty-minute drive home tonight, and mm-hmm. someone who's had two excellent tall margaritas so far <laughs> yeah. that were not non-alcoholic, um, this is good. This uh, in the parlance of Quentin Tarantino, that hit the spot. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, hit the spot. <laughs> Man, all right. So we, you know, I think we're kind of like delaying, but in Quentin Tarantino fashion, just kind of bantering a bit. I don't know that I'm looking forward to the end of the Tarantino era for this yeah. cast because it's been really enjoyable for me. I, I, I really, uh, I was like, a, when we planned this whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, what was that not, four or five <laughs> months ago or whatever? Yeah, to some extent. Yeah. Um, I uh, I was like you know a, a kid looking forward to the Christmas presents you know I uh, I'm a huge Tarantino fan always have been and I have loved going back and rewatching all these movies and and talking about them um, and uh, I'm I've been so much looking forward to this one in particular but at the same time I'm like yeah a little sad to be done talking about Tarantino afterwards. Well, you know we always have to look forward to the tenth film. True. What I've heard is that the idea is already like established yeah, and ready to it, go. The film yeah. critic. Right? The film critic. Yeah, there's yeah. actually a title for it. Yeah. It's sadly not going to be the Star Trek. No, that is yeah. sad. But I think again, I I love his whole. I'm going to do ten movies. Yeah, and that's it. Right. And I love I love that idea because it's like. It's almost like he's creating a rarity, you know, like yeah. how like some like manufacturers of things will only make a limited run. Right, right. Because mm-hmm. they know it'll increase its value over time. Yeah. I think that's great. Like the guy, the guy could make as much shit as he wants to mm-hmm. and people are going to buy tickets. Oh, yeah. But he only wants to make what he wants to make and it's going to represent whatever he wants it to represent. And right. I think that that is art, artistry to the max. It's, it's brilliant. He, yeah. He's, it. he's like a, you know, I don't know, the literary equivalent might be like a Cormac McCarthy, right? Yeah. You know, he only yeah. did so many books and, and most of those are, are absolute masterpieces. And you might go eight, 10, 12 years in between, right? Or, or uh, the acting equivalent might be like Daniel Day Lewis. Yes. Right? He only did so many movies, right. but they were all freaking amazing he performances. Gave everything yeah. to those performances. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. So, uh, Mike, 
You seen the most passionate about? Yeah. Do you want to lead us into? <laughs> yeah, once sure. Ever since it came out, you have been on fire. Oh about my this gosh, movie. we've had to hold this man back. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, yeah. Speaking of like, you know, uh, you know, getting intoxicated as we were just doing a moment ago, I was like the guy in the bar who's like got his friends there, like hold me back, I'm gonna go get him. Um, but uh, you know, I have been saving it for this cast because uh, you know this movie. Man, when it came out, I could I could tell just from the commercial that I was gonna fucking love this. Um, the trailer when it when it came out. It was it was I have already spoken at length about how much I admired Inglorious Bastards, how much I in, uh, admired Django Unchained, liked Hateful Eight very much. Um, but I was at a point where I kind of missed like the Tarantino hangout movie, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the Jackie Brown, the Pulp Fiction. I wanted something that was less plot and more dialogue, and I wanted something that felt you know, like it had some, like Pulp Fiction had this like very, you know, serious like zeitgeist aesthetic to it, you know? And so I, I missed that aspect of Tarantino very much. And you could tell from the trailer that that was going to be this kind of movie. But even that being the case, that didn't mean it had to be great, right? But I, I remember going to see this uh, in the theater and it was the last movie I saw in the theater. It turned out for a long time because then the pandemic hit mm-hmm. shortly after. This was what, late 2019, I think, when this movie came out. Um, but I remember watching this whole movie and just being like, this is fucking fantastic. And I could tell, even as I was watching it then, that it's the type of movie that you could come back to and back to and back to, and you would find more to appreciate about it. Little things you didn't notice the first time, the second time, the third time, you'd see it the fourth time. You know, little acting tweaks or like aspects of the dialogue or the way the music fits in. It's just one of those movies that it just seemed to me the first time I watched it, like it would reward multiple watches. Now, I said with Inglorious Bastards and I said with Django Unchained that I had to hold myself back from saying it's better than Pulp Fiction. And, you know, sure enough, multiple watches over the years, you know, I was like that, that it's not better than Pulp Fiction. They're super good. They're in the discussion, but Pulp Fiction remains the masterpiece. Uh, once upon a time, I was wise enough by that point to say, all right, I'm not going to say this prematurely. I got to see this a couple more times. Um, but I've now seen this movie five or six times wow. since 2019. Yeah. And I can say without reservation, in my opinion, this is his absolute masterpiece. It is not his last film, but it, I mean, what an epic conclusion to his career it would be if it were his last hmm. film. Is it the penultimate? Well, I mean, yeah, who knows? Who knows? I mean, if anyone can one up this film, it's, it's this guy, but I, but I, I, I swear. I mean, I, I think this movie is literally perfect in every way. You know, we'll talk about it, but I, I was so impressed from the first time I've rewatched it so many times and I like it better each time. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, nominated for 10 and won two Academy Awards. So, you know, tying Django. I don't remember if Hateful got any. I think it was a, t- a couple of technical awards that it was at least nominated for, but I'm not positive it won any of them. What were the two at one? Just out of curiosity. Probably Brad Pitt, Best Supporting Actor, would be a guess. Hmm. And uh, looking now, Best Screenplay. Screenplay. That makes sense. And yeah, Best Supporting Actor. Okay. For Pitt. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you're on it. Oh, so by the way, Hateful Eight won the Oscar for Ennio Morricone's best original score, which we really didn't mention much about, but 
Rest in peace. So interesting thing uh, I learned, I don't know, sometime in the last couple of years, movies cannot be nominated for a best soundtrack Oscar if they don't have all original music. Best original mm-hmm. score. It right. All written and, just and so for that movie. I think this yeah. might be, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it might be, Hateful Eight might be the only uh, Tarantino movie with no unoriginal music it, on it. It, it is. It is 100% yeah. written just for that movie. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee was nominated for Best Actress. Oh, okay. And Robert Richardson was nominated for Best Cinematography. So it was two nom- three nominations, one win. Nice. All right. Nice. I mean, win- percentage-wise, one more <laughs> of the nomination. There you go. God, but, you know, uh, do you want to lead us in the plot, Mike, as we go Whoa, here? I didn't what say anything the- about Fine, it. Fine, Sean. <laughs> Fine. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry, buddy. Go I was going to say, you know, <laughs> my entire history of this film has colored by Mike's enthusiastic <laughs> love of the movie. Yeah. I had no concept of it until I I was just, I heard the poetic waxing of Mike about how incredible <laughs> this movie is. From a different building. I was oh, I was so afraid to that I might have oversold it. I hope I didn't. That was a concern. This, I is, this is going back to 2019 and Mike just be like, this yeah. is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And just <laughs> being really completely gobstopped by it. <laughs> I did not have the opportunity to see it at the time, even though I really wanted to. It was just a busy time in my life. And honestly, the first time I've seen it was recently. And, um, you know, I, I have to say, I share a lot of your enthusiasm for it. I don't know if I put it in there as my number one Tarantino movie. I think he's got so many like eclectic things that it's really hard to pinpoint which one is the one that is my go-to. Yeah. But uh, it is certainly one that I will watch again. Yeah. And I watch, I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I really, like you said, I want to watch it again to catch all the things that just escaped my notice when I was just awestruck by so many things the yeah. first time. So. Yeah. I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoy it. I don't know yet if it's that place for me, so I, I have to put that little bit yeah, of a pin. I, in I mean, it, and it, I mean, he's one of those guys where you know it's like I mean it's like pick your favorite Scorsese movie. You know, I mean that's a very personal sure. thing. So yeah. you know they're they're right. all great. There's a case to be made for so many of them. It's interesting again how he gets into that. Like I guess it's like like do what you know, right? And mm-hmm. it's like it's it's film. It's a movie about film. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is where he's going with the next one with the, the film critics. So it, again, yeah. it's part of that. We talk about the phases of Tarantino's career where you go from the heist, you go to like the the Ronin kind of figure, right. you go to the revisionism thing, which this is firmly in for sure. Right. But it's also that transitional, like no, this is a movie about it's meta. It's right. a movie about mm-hmm. movies, and it becomes more about that now. And it's that I think is is one of its more interesting facets. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And- uh, I have to admit, I hadn't seen this in the theaters. It wasn't really on my radar. Uh, I'm not sure why. Really, I guess maybe more than anything, just because I don't go see many movies in the theaters nowadays. If I do, it's going to be for some huge thing, like when we saw Dune, for example. Right, right, right. Frozen well, 2. Fro- yeah, well, you know what? Well, yeah, that's Stop the other it. thing. I did see Frozen yeah. 2 in theaters. <laughs> as, as, as did I. Yeah. yeah, I do want to build a snowman. I would okay? say Thanks. most uh, of the movies I see in theaters these days is because I yeah. took my kids yeah. to the movies. Yeah. Don't worry, guys. This is the cast about Frozen 2 is coming out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And, and also, we are so pumped for that one. Dude, I hope I didn't oversell guys, it. Should we do a Pixar cast? That'd be kind of interesting. Or a Disney cast? I'll be cast? all right with that. I'll be all right. That'd be fascinating. Yeah. Juice we, our numbers with a Disney thing. 
just drop out of Disney. Is, is Shrek? Is that Pixar? No, is that no, no. DreamWorks. Yeah. Okay, I fucking um, love Shrek. Nah, one and two, just yeah. one and two. I am really shocked by how many kids these days love Shrek for whatever reason. Like my kids talk it's about weird. how big it is in their school. Like everyone yeah. loves yeah. Shrek. I'm like Shrek, oh, fucking Shrek. There's, there's weird nostalgia in movie. the buildings. Based on like different eras, the B movie had a huge yeah. friggin' cult following in my classes a few years really? ago. Really, the one with was the that Jerry Seinfeld? B movie with Jerry Seinfeld? Yes. Yeah, oh, that wow. one. Yeah, oh, shit. I don't understand, but so like I get it in a way. Um, spinoff cast or something because I don't want to alienate the, the nerds who are who I just promised in the last cast we were going back to other things. Yes. PG nerds. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um. I think maybe for a while I wasn't into like period pieces and I think once upon a time is very much that, oh, yeah. that, you know, it's the golden age of Hollywood and, um, you know, like I enjoyed La La Land, which was also, well, it's a modern, I guess it's a modern take on like the, um, uh, like classic musical love yeah. story and, I just, I think I got vibes of that, like a modern take on like the classic Hollywood. And that just wasn't my jam, but I also probably didn't pay attention to the director at the time. Yeah. And now that I've seen all of his work, would see anything he put out. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it's hard to say why I didn't at this point, except for I was young and dumb. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see it, dude. You pick up a, a good point here because this is definitely that, um, you know, Hollywood, if nothing else, is very narcissistic. What? And it loves to self-indulge. <laughs> like, most musicals are about the musical industry, right? And, like, things like that. It's like there's there's some sort of, like, element where a lot of it has to do with making movies or making musicals or whatever. And this is sort of, like, Tarantino's bent on this idea of, like, well, I'm going to – this is a movie about guys who make movies, you know, stuntman and an actor. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of nuance to that whole thing. But he takes that. And superimposes it over a Charles Manson story. Right, right, right. Which is like so Tarantino. It's like, it, it, it's almost smacks a parody in a way. Right. Because mm -hmm. it, it's like, wow. Well, how the, who the fuck marries those two things together right. into a cohesive movie? And somehow it fucking works. Well, yeah, and that's why I used the word zeitgeist before. Because he's, 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 this movie is almost a love letter to the era that influenced him so heavily yeah and he comes at it not just in terms of the movies but the music this is even by his standards this is a heavy needle drop movie yeah i mean so much of this movie is just people driving around in cars changing the radio station <laughs> and different snippets yeah. of great old mm -hmm. songs come on and uh so it's very much the pop culture and but it's also um you know uh, the time period you know, the, the aura, you know, there's the whole conflict between like the older Hollywood right. and like the emerging new Hollywood, all right. stuff we'll talk about. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, the That's conflict the character more his bent. His right. Arc. Yeah. Right. Right. Versus, you know, we'll get into all this stuff, but there's like that, you know, not eight year old girl who's like, you know, the Marlon Brando-esque method yes. actor. And that, that's one of the best scenes ever. Yeah, it's great. Um, so the, it, gets, it gets into all that and it brings in the – it sets it against the backdrop of the historical stuff too, you know. And, and people point to – whether they should or not, people point to like the Manson murders as like the end of the 60s, right? It was like the thing mm -hmm. that killed like the hippie, like happy, you know uh, – 
you know, moment loves, and yeah. like and transitioned into like the more cynical seventies and, yeah. and everything. And so he kind of sets it against that backdrop. I and I and I also love how Manson himself is really not a huge part of this. No. Like the yeah. the movie was thirty mis- seconds it, exactly, and the movie was mistakenly pitched or not not pitched, uh, misrepresented that way in the media early on. People were like, yeah. "Oh, it's a movie about Manson and his cult," and then of course it turned out to not really be about well, that at all. But if, if you read a little bit about it, and I, I, I when I is a movie I like, I go and I read about yeah. it. I guess it was more of um, Tarantino said he had researched Sharon Tate a lot. And he wanted to show a better side to her, not just as his victim of this horrible crime, right. but who she was as a real person. And it's more of like, I guess, a Sharon Tate movie yeah. in that mm-hmm. transitional Hollywood phase. And it is about the Manson whole, th- that whole thing. Right. But uh, that point about kind of going from the free love hippie movement more into the, the cynical 70s is actually a really good point with the whole what's going on on the Spawn Ranch. And that's more yeah. of um, of uh, Brad Pitt's like whole his whole character story in this mm-hmm. so it's uh you also mentioned real quick the cars yeah as a as a i thought you might pick up on oh this. <laughs> guys and yeah i know like, you mentioned period pieces earlier but that's the one thing i always look at is the authenticity of the cars because that's not easy to do yeah and i don't know yeah. anybody who doesn't know a whole lot about like automobiles and things might think oh yeah it's a bunch of old cars and you don't know how hard it is to bring together that many vintage classic automobiles that all look awesome and period and mm-hmm. perfect for that time right. in those scenes and to have the eclectic mix that he was able to put together from from DiCaprio and um and um Pitts right. like Cadillac to his Carmen Ghia convertible yeah. to the Porsche to the I don't know what the hell Roman Polanski was driving to all these things. The piece of crap that the the, the Mansonites were driving like right. all that stuff. It all that's a character in the film too. And oh, it yeah. really mm-hmm. is such a part of it. It's, it's that, that it wouldn't work if they didn't put the effort right. and the detail yeah. into it. And there, there's an industry in Hollywood actually mm-hmm. devoted to people who collect and maintain and keep fleets of vintage cars just for these occasions. And it was showcased. Damn beautifully yeah. in this there are, there have to be entire back lots filled with like there Chevys are. and yeah. like Oldsmobiles and yep. there are guys who run, they make their money loaning those cars out to productions like this that's super interesting and and the cars are are prominently featured in so many scenes and in fact the last shot of the movie they walk into the house and you're looking at two gorgeous you know late 60s sports cars in uh, Roman Polanski's driveway yeah. mm-hmm. as the title of the movie comes up and they start to do the credits. And yeah. stuff. That's the last thing you see. Yeah. So let's get into it. Um, the, the, this scene, uh, or, or the opening scene in this film is, um, I think juxtaposed with like some of the previous, uh, movies in terms of like, we talked about the epic opening to Inglorious Bastards with like <laughs> the guy chopping wood and the Nazi yes. cars yeah. approaching, right? And it's like this, you know, this, intense gravity we went on and on about that uh same thing in django we talked about like you know them the slaves being led through the forest mm-hmm. and christopher or christoph waltz emerging and you know that whole thing and uh you know obviously hateful eight like the gorgeous backdrop yeah. and the carriage and all that stuff and here it's like uh i think the correct me if i'm wrong but i think the very first thing you see is that interview yes. right where it's like leonardo dicaprio and brad pitt getting interviewed and uh um 
Uh, what's the like the the silly like penis joke that Brad oh, yeah, he carries a load? That's oh, right. Yeah, and then yeah, he's yeah. like, I guess you could say I carry his load, and they all uh. chuckle about that and everything. And then it goes into um, Al Pacino as like the movie agent, yes. and he brings you up to speed on who Rick Dalton is, and like goes kind of through his career as a TV star, and he tried to become a movie star, kind of failed at that, and now he's fading. And he explains to Rick Dalton early, like you know, this is a common a common Hollywood gimmick where they're going to keep bringing bringing you back as a bad guy yeah, and then the, the young guy kills you what the audience sees is like the hot new star killing you off and before you know it you're gone and these guys are the big ones right and um and then that sets up the whole premise of the movie but my point is like these scenes unlike several previous tarantino movies are very low-key kind of you know yeah. like and it sets a tone for the movie it's just it's very dialogue driven you know right off the bat you got to you got to listen to who these characters are and what they're talking about. And, and it's a very different kind of movie. It's very personal. Yeah. There aren't a lot of sweeping vistas. There's really a, not a whole lot of big establishing shots, like very limited and more medium and close up kind of stuff going on in this whole thing. So it's, it's much more intimate in that mm-hmm. regard. And it's starting right. that whole tone with this interview with these two guys and giving us like the protagonists immediately, this I'm an aging television star and this is my stunt man. And right. Like, Obviously, we're like bros. Yeah. And that's, that's how they start this whole thing. And, you know, he, he, then you start getting into the, oh, yeah, that's all bullshit. He can't drive. He lost his license because he's a right. drunk and that whole kind of thing. And now we know, oh, okay, he's kind of like his, his like manservant Cato kind of right. figure here. Right. 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 And, Cato, wow. Which comes up later, I guess, honestly, with Bruce Lee and that whole right. like weirdness that was all of that. It's, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, and, and that, that also sets, uh, you know, it, it gives you a good sense of who, who, who the main characters are as well. Like Rick Dalton is very un Leonardo DiCaprio esque. Mm-hmm. Two films back to back. Uh, yeah. Well, not back to back. Um, he wasn't a hateful, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but DiCaprio's usually, you know, he's, he, he plays very intense dramatic roles. He's not known for his, like, you know, he's certainly not known for his comedy, right? Mm-hmm. And right off the bat, we get the sense of this guy who's like, he's kind of an emotional wreck and like he's, he's kind of lost his identity and mm-hmm. like, you know, he's having this midlife crisis and all this stuff. And, and, uh, and then Brad Pitt just plays like, you know, who you imagine Brad Pitt would be in real life. I don't know if mm-hmm. he really is or not, but that's what you imagine. That's- yeah, exactly. it would be like in real life. Super chill, cool dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of things about that, real quick. All right. So, first of all, Samuel Jackson's not in this movie at all, is he? I don't think so. How no, many Tarantino movies is he not in? It's uh, got to be like Reservoir Dogs, two, right? Right. It's like yeah. two movies that right. Samuel Jackson is not in in the entire. Reservoir Tarantino Dogs, verse. and then uh, I, I would have to watch Death Proof again to know if he was. Oh, in maybe Death he Proof. wasn't in Death Proof. Yeah. So yeah. maybe maybe just those. Okay. Yeah, so two out of uh, nine. Wow. So the um, – oh, and this, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah, so right, it would be three. Right, three, excuse me. Yeah, but – um, oh, shit. That totally sidetracked my whole thing about uh, – what were you saying again? Uh, Brad Pitt and how he plays Brad Pitt and DiCaprio plays an un-DiCaprio-esque part and – the opening scenes establish those guys not helping. Too much non-alcoholic yeah, this is beer. Too much. Beer. <laughs> this this 0.5% threw us over. Oh, man. You know, it'll come to me in the middle of somebody else saying something, right. but I, I had yeah. a point to make about something that sounded profound at the moment, but fuck if I can remember what it is. It was too profound. It wasn't meant to last. No. It's it, was, not, it was ethereal. It, it's a compliment yeah. to Samuel Jackson. He's so cool. He just, you know. He's just a shit right out of my head, man. Yeah. 
Well, so they leave the restaurant. Uh, DiCaprio's crying, right? And mm-hmm. uh, uh, Brad Pitt has to give him his sunglasses to cover up his yeah. eyes, you know, which is I, – I, uh, I remember the first time I watched this movie thinking, oh, this is Brad Pitt's movie. He's fucking awesome in this movie. I, you know, I think he stole the show. Uh, but the more times I've watched this movie, I've, I've, he's still awesome, but I'm, I'm like, this is DiCaprio's movie, man. Like he is, he is, it's one of those things you appreciate more the more times you watch it. Like he's fucking awesome. He plays so against the typical DiCaprio character and he is so goofy and like emotional and over the top in all these scenes. I think he acted his ass off. Um, you know, I don't know. That's that's just uh, what I've come to think after seeing it multiple times. But the first time I saw it, I was like, "This is Brad Pitt's movie. He's fucking awesome in it." I think they they split the split the load evenly. Oh, there. they're both. Great. They both yeah. carry the load. The load. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I, I honestly, I I found myself gravitating more towards Pitt's character. That was right. one of the things I was going to ask. One of the, the point about him killing his wife, I think, was yeah. a really interesting point. That again is never resolved, right? Like there's this mm. creepy whole like ah oh, he 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 got away with it whatever right. he killed her and they show that quick flashback right. he's holding the spear gun right. and right. that's right. it mm. you don't know but then you're left with this this guy does not seem like the kind of guy who would do something like right. that intentionally but they all they also tell you you know he's a war hero yeah. right mm-hmm. so they do that there's the unresolved question of whether or not he killed his wife right and right. you know so. You know, there's all these scenes where you're like, oh, man, he's, he's a cool dude. He's a stand-up he guy. He kicks he's Bruce Lee's friend, ass at right? one point. <laughs> and, but then there's these other parts, too, where, like, I mean, he when he fights the hippie on the oh, Spawn yeah. Ranch, that's brutal. Like, oh, that, yeah. that's not like a fight, right? That's like – that's a fucking assault. A, yeah. Like, that is close up repeatedly punching him in the face, throwing him into the car. So I think you're meant to think that way about his character. Um, and I actually – I brought this book because I thought it might come up. Uh, yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood. This is not. Yeah, this book is not the novelization of the movie. It's not like there's a movie and then they just novelized it. Yeah. This, uh, what Quentin Tarantino tried to do here was take the movie and then rewrite it from scratch as a novel. Oh wow! Um, So there's actually there's a lot of stuff in here from the movie. There's a lot of stuff in here that changes what happened in the movie completely. Mm. It's not the same stuff that happens in the movie. And then there's also stuff in the movie that they go just in way deeper on. Like mm. the movie that DiCaprio is filming, the Western. Um, you know, they go and give you like way a ton of backstory on that, like chapters upon chapters, or the dog, you know, Brad Pitt's dog. Um, you know, yeah. that he's yeah. like, you know, he goes, and then the dog knows exactly what to do. There's a whole backstory behind that. And I bring all that up to, to connect to the point about Brad Pitt's, you know, that ambigu- ambiguity of the character. But in the movie, he mostly comes across as charming and lovable. Mm-hmm. In the book, not so much. The character is a mm-hmm. lot more edgy and a little less likable in the book. I'm curious what changed. Like, what did he do that wasn't at all the same? Um, I, I mean, I read this like three years ago during the pandemic. So I, I would be hard pressed to highlight specific examples um, but I, I do remember there were things in there that I was like, that, that directly contradicts what happened in the movie. Not major stuff, not major plot points. What's that? I'm going to ask you to borrow that. I will leave it here for you, sir. Yeah. Remind me before I walk out I with it. Yeah. It was, it was a good read. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, because I, um, you, you mentioned, uh, Sharon Tate and the whole, mm-hmm. you know, Manson angle and stuff. And I had like a solid two weeks where, 
I was just watching like stuff related to that whole era yeah. of, of crime. Um, and I had seen something where Christopher Walken was on a boat. Yes. And oh, he was right. present for, um, uh, an actress's drowning. Yeah. What was her name? Yeah. And I forget. I'm just thinking, you know, the whole time about how like charming Christopher Walken is, but then he's yeah. like implicated. So right. like that whole like charming actor may right. have killed wife. Right. Is a common like media narrative or a common unfortunate you know crime what? story. Honestly, it's interesting because I was thinking about that story as I was watching that that flashback. I'm like, oh, this is just like the whole thing with Christopher Walken. They're on a boat. She's like badgering him or whatever. Right. And I'm like, I wonder if he's intentionally trying to like channel that idea. Which I, I mm-hmm. gotta give Tarantino that that probable credit because it's like yeah, just what he does. You know, probably right? it was yeah. Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood. That's yeah. the, yes, that's it. Eighty one. Yeah. So much after the era, but like. Nonetheless, a, a common yeah. story, unfortunately. And this is one of those. Again, he he tells you an awesome story, and it's firmly in that revisionist thing where again he sort of takes the whole Manson uh, like mystique away by just destroying it in the end. But mm-hmm. I found myself afterwards like doing some research on the whole Charlie Manson stuff because it's like I knew a little bit about it, but I'm like I want to know a little bit more. Watching some of his crazy ass fucking interviews from prison, like that mm. dude. Is. Oh yeah. And you know what's even more disturbing is you watch like a YouTube video, it's like, oh, with Diane Sawyer and, and a Charles Manson oh. interview, and it's like all these comments saying like this guy's a genius, all blah blah. blah. I'm like, no, no, he's a fucking paranoid schizophrenic. Right. He's clearly mm-hmm. like off his rocker, and these people think he's some kind of like brilliant person. It's like the dude was psychotic. Right. Yeah. Just because he didn't actually hold the knife in his hand or the gun doesn't mean that he is not just as right. guilty as the people who did that heinous, right. disgusting yeah. act. And that is one of the things, like Mike, you said, this is one of your favorite movies. You love it. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing about this movie I love the most is that he retcons or re- revises one of the most despicable things that's ever happened, like, you know, right. an eight and a half month old mm-hmm. pregnant woman right. and what happens to her. And it gives us that little bit of like, maybe in another universe, it didn't happen. Yeah. You know, well, and, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, we're, we're skipping ahead to the end, but uh, while we're on the point, yeah. um, I love the way he takes some of the historical detail and he completely takes the teeth out of it. Mm-hmm. Like for example, when, um, uh, Tex. That's the, that's what the guy's name is. Yeah, right? Tex. Yeah. That's his real name in real life. Yeah, real right. And 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 he is supposed to have said, you know, I am the devil, yeah. and I am here to do the devil's work. Right. That's supposed to be a real historical line, and it's not. Given what they did, that sounds like terrifying, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the way Tarantino does it in this movie is. Uh, Brad Pitt's trying to figure. He's like, I know you. Where do I know you from? Yeah. And he goes, Who are you? And he goes, I'm the devil. And I'm here to do the devil's work. And the way the actor deliver, delivers it, it is creepy as yeah. shit. It, it could have worked. Except then Tarantino has this mm-hmm. long, awkward pause. And Brad Pitt goes, no, nah, it was dumber than that. It was something like Rex <laughs> or Tex. And he completely Dude, robs yeah. that and guy. of his bo- Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he starts giggling because he's right. high as shit. Right. Oh, my God. Brad Pitt is fucking yeah. awesome in oh. that scene. That, yeah. like, oh. shit-eating stoner that? grin oh that he's got God. the whole time. He looks over at that one girl in the back and he, like, waves to her and she just glares at him yeah. menacingly. And then he looks back at Tex and he's like, 
Yeah, he does that like <laughs> thumb, like he like rolls his eyes Ooh, at her. I wouldn't yeah. forget that hair. I know you. And, yeah. oh. and he goes, and you were on a horsey. Yes, <laughs> yes. the horsey. I, oh I love how he's got so many moving parts in this movie that all come together too. With like he, yeah. he bought this acid dip cigarette, right? He's it in the guy's thing. Yeah. It's tonight yeah. the night. He's talking right. to the dog. They go for a walk. The car goes. It's. Yeah, he's got that cool ass line too together. as he's leaving from the house with the dog. He goes, and away we go. Yeah. After he smokes that thing. Yeah. yeah. Then as he's doing that is when the car's pulling up yep. and they have that like, you know, ridiculous conversation in there where she's like, take this man. I've been expanding on this idea. Like, oh. what if we kill all these fascists, man? You know, like that, that shit's hilarious. Yeah. And like they're trying, they want so badly to be like these terrifying specters yes. Yes. of, of homicidal lunatics, yeah. but they're just clownish. And that's, that's what happens when, again, I mean, we're, we've skipped the whole movie at this point, but like DiCaprio coming out like, oh. yeah, you asshole, get <laughs> and he comes down and he's yelling at him and stuff. And he's like, now take this hunk of shit. Get it the fuck off my street. Oh, you and keep waiting for the pull of the gun out and just gun him <laughs> down. But he's like, okay, man. Okay. And then Give he backs off. Turn around. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And But the way he says that, and then he sips that entire pitcher yes. of margaritas. Yes. Fucking hilarious. You mean man. like drinking an entire glass of milk <laughs> oh sitting God. in a cottage? Like, this is another right. thing. Yeah. Right, right. I love it. Yeah, it's, true. It's definitely interesting to think, like, I mean, Tarantino's got to be a hippie hater, right? Like, I mean, the well, way they come across throughout this whole movie, like, oh, we love our pussy. Right. You know, right. it's yeah. like, Everything uh, yeah. in it is Thanks just. Thanks for bringing pussy home. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yo, know, we do. You know, it's, like, <laughs> yeah, Brad it's Brad ludicrous. It makes fun of it. They yeah. look. They yeah. live in squalor. Right. They have this like bizarre cultishness to them. It's right. like everything about them is just like unsettling. And you're like these people are not right. 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 And and just like oh, when he goes. To visit Spot Ranch when he finally drops the girl off and mm-hmm. she's like, I'm going to suck your dick while I'm driving home. Right. He's like, how old are you? And like, at that moment, <laughs> that's when I bought into that character being morally okay. Right. He probably right, didn't right. kill his wife because he's, you know, he's like, I'm not going to jail right. for, for poon yes, 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 yes. you know. No. He's like, do you have some form of ID? And she goes, come on, are you fucking serious? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, I'm fucking serious. He goes, I, I need to see some ID, which you don't have. Cause you're not. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, he's so like, like good natured about it. He's right. like, how's this guy doing? I want right. to see my old friend George. Right. Is he right over there? Yeah. <laughs> and then she's basically like, oh, I'll take care of this guy. Right. And then he's like, no, I think I want to see for myself. You right. Know? And I kept thinking he's going to walk into that dude's bedroom. And it's going to be a corpse with flies yeah. and it's going to be, right. oh shit. Now he's going to have to fight his way out of this fucking right. thing. And like, nah, dude's just there. It was Bruce Dern, right? It's Bruce Dern. He's just there and he's like, he's fucking cantankerous right. as always. And it's like, well shit, that was a little bit of yeah. a, what do you call that? Isn't that like a th- thematic thing? Like where it builds you up for this, like a false climax or something? Anticlimax. Anti- yeah. Well, I guess it would be an anticlimax. Anticlimactic, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce Dern is fucking, I, he's always fun. I always enjoy yeah. Bruce Dern. Um, but he's, he's great there too. Cause Brad Pitt keeps trying to like, he's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this, right? Yeah. So he keeps trying, you know, he's like, I, you know, he goes, I, I, uh, he goes, I have to watch the show. I have to take a nap so I can stay awake to watch the show. If, if I don't, she gets upset. And he goes, well, what happens if she gets upset, George? And he goes, Nothing. I just don't like the letter down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You expect like some sort of creepy, like, yeah. you know, mother gets upset right, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But no, no, no. I fucked the shit out of him this morning, so he's yeah. real tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus shit. Is that the redhead out there? And he goes, the fuck is wrong with you? You act like I didn't just tell you I was blind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really touched. I don't even know who you are. You yeah. came to see me. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Dern is, he's, he's, he's a gem, man. I always yeah. enjoy him. He's good. 
I did really like that part too when he's leaving and they're all just staring at like Valley of the Dolls like weirdness. Right. Mm-hmm. He sees the knife in the tire and the guy's like, hey, right. Dude's you do this? Shit, yeah. And he just laughs at him and he's just like, come here, you know, he just beats the shit out mm-hmm. of him and oh, it's... Fix it. <laughs> and then they got the whole like, Tex is riding back. Oh right, shit. Right. No, but not, he's driving. No, he's long gone just, by the yeah. time he gets back. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot of misdirection that way. You know, you're you're they he creates all this tension, you know, like they're all sitting there staring at him and go get Tex and yeah. he's gonna ride back and everything, and Brad Pitt's staring at the distance, like, oh, you know, is he gonna come? But then none of that happens. Yeah. Beats the shit out of the dude, the dude changes the tire, he's out of there. I think the woman who was sort of like in charge too, if you look at the historical stuff, I think that might have been um Manson's wife or like girlfriend or something who had his first kid. Yeah. Like Mama Cass, I think they called her. Yeah. Not the real Mama Cass. Like, I think that, that was a yeah, nickname. Yeah, or whatever. Uh, some of those characters are, are real. I mean, all the people that came to the house are real historical people. One of those right. people just got out of jail recently. Um, she's like yeah, an old lady now and she got that. released. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, well, let, I mean, let's back it up a little bit, I guess. <laughs> um, there's uh there's the cool part where they go their separate ways, right? Leonardo DiCaprio goes to work and Brad Pitt goes to work on his house. Yeah. Um Oh yeah, I need you to I need you to fix the antenna. Yeah, fix Basically the antenna. he's like his like every man. Like yeah. just yeah. do whatever I gotta do because I'm gonna be right. the one making the money. Right. You know, so you gotta just do this stuff for me. And I'm he's like, oh they're bros, he's taking right. care of them. But right. yeah. but I, I love how much of this movie is is the atmosphere, the ambiance, the, the 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 pop culture, because I mean Brad Pitt drives drops him off drives home and it's just him driving through Hollywood and we get all these different snippets of all these great old songs. Of course he lives in a trailer behind a, a drive-in movie theater. Yeah. yeah. He goes in, he puts on a movie, like an old ass movie yeah. that he's watching. Then there's the great scene, like we just left DiCaprio's gorgeous pad. Now we're in this squalid trailer and he's making that nasty shit for his dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like th- it's such a hangout movie. Like so much of this movie that you don't have a clear understanding of what the plot is. And yet every scene is just its own self-contained brilliant little thing. I love how that does establish like his his dog relationship right. and how, like, how well trained the dog right. is. So you know when he yeah. goes at the end right. like that dog knows exactly what to right. fucking do at that moment. Right. Now was that a wine? I don't want to, but I will take all this shit, throw it right out <laughs> yeah. in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so and and movies are another thing. It's not just the music. Yeah. Like there's so many scenes here where people have movies on in the background mm. or they're talking about movies or there's the the one where um uh, shoot, it's uh, Sharon Tate, but the actress is Margot Margot Robbie. Margot yeah, Robbie. Yeah. You know, she goes into the theater to watch herself yes. in the movie, mm-hmm. and it's the real Sharon Tate. It's, yeah, and the, the real, Martin, the actual and, movie. Yeah. You know, and that's all that really nice cool. Touch. I mean, so movies and music are just like all throughout this movie. That was interesting because her film, it was the real film, but there were other moments where they had actual film snippets. That they put he like put the Caprio in, or he put like yeah other stuff mm. into it the great escape yes they were having that conversation about he was up for uh steve mcqueen's part yes and so they re-imagined the nazi war camp but with dicaprio playing the steve mcqueen part yeah. and uh speaking of that there's a where she goes to like the party uh sharon tate does it i think it's the playboy mansion yes. and that i don't know if you noticed this or not but that's supposed to be steve mcqueen it's an actor it obviously yeah. playing yeah. steve mcqueen yeah. but yeah. he's job. he's the one who's going like she was engaged to him yeah. And she left him 
for him, you know, and like mm. does that whole. But they're thing, kind right? of a thruple, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now yeah. they're all friends. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I'm really glad though that Polanski had a very minor like part in this whole thing. Yeah, yeah that guy that is been, problematic. Yeah, yeah absolutely, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. but you know, it, it's uh, that ties into the theme a little bit too, because you know he's supposed to be DiCaprio's supposed to be like this actor who's past his prime. You know, yeah. whenever anybody talks to him. Or about him, it's always like, oh, I had a lunchbox of uh, what the fuck was the character he played in that Western show? Um, where Al Pacino talking about all the great things he used to do, right? Right. And now he's like this has been. And, and Polanski is always talked about in this movie as like this great auteur, this yeah. up and coming. Like he is the hot director, the Rosemary's, baby. Rosemary's baby. Yeah. Like everyone is just like, he is absolutely the shit. Yeah. And yet, ninety percent of that guy's career has been. Everyone's kind of like, "Oh fuck!" Like, you know, yeah. it's like, it's, yeah. it's, he's like you said, he's problematic. Yeah, yeah. A ninety foot pole is not far enough to keep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's got that weird awesome powers effect too, oh, and most man. of it. And yeah, there's there's a lot of awkward stuff going on that he just sort of like just puts it. It's there, like the thruple thing, mm-hmm. or you yeah. know that that, or just a lot of other stuff, but. I guess to its credit, it just sort of just progresses under its own momentum in a way where that doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. Well, I presume, honestly, that a lot of the 60s and the, the 70s were kind of like that in general. Yeah. You know, so with the inclusion of man, the Manson, um, I don't want to say subplot, but like the Manson line and that sort of thing. It just kind of makes me think, yeah, that was the the atmosphere of the time. Right, right. Really, just part of it. Right. Everything was fucking weird, man. <laughs> I do love the um, the whole DiCaprio. Like, his arc is that he didn't actually, like, fade away completely. And he didn't, like, have this rebirth of being incredible again. Right. He went and did Spaghetti Westerns. Right. Right. Yeah. And it was, like, mildly successful. Right. He spent mm-hmm. most of his money on his apartment when he was there and finding this wife, this hot oh, dish that he raised yeah. back with him. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, yeah, he made some money. He's fine. Right. He's not yeah. a megastar anymore. He's right. still basically where he was when right. he started. So, like, nothing really changes for that character. Right. But I think he gets that awesome, like, that sort of, uh, I don't want to say, like, happy ending kind of in a way, but... He has nothing at all to do with the ending. Like, that is all Brad Pitt. Right, Brad right, Pitt right. handles everything, essentially. Well, as he has all film. Exactly. Right. And then it's like he just, he has the hero moment when the chick goes blasting through the glass door. And she's like, scream, ah, ah. And he yeah. finally realizes what the fuck's right. going on. And he just, like, he falls off of his thing, gets out of the pool. And like, we're thinking, like, where the fuck is he, is he running right. away? Because he's, he's not a stuntman. He's not a, not a real legit dude. He, no, he comes back out the right. fucking flamethrower <laughs> from that one movie he did. Yeah, the Five Fists of McCluskey yes. or whatever. Yeah. And fucking torches <laughs> are in the Dude, pool. And the shit is so funny the way Tarantino films it too because you you get the sense that he's just running away terrified. Yeah. Because the camera is all on her. She's up front. She's shrieking like an exorcism thing, right? Yeah. And in the distance, you see him hopping out of the pool and running off in this comical yeah. way, right? And then after that, all of a sudden, the camera cuts to, like, the shed that he ran into, and he kicks the door open, yes. and he's got the fucking thing, and he just roasts her. It's that, like, where everything you're led to believe about these characters completely changed. Like, you know what? Fuck that. Right. They're going to get their day. Yep. <laughs> and all of these assholes, they're going to get what's due. Right. And I love that part where basically it, that's where history completely changed. Yeah. And leading up to that, he was talking about, like, he had, was it Kurt Russell? 
was the narrator at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about at this point, this happens, and like all the lights are going on and the neon, like classic stuff, and all that. It almost felt like uh, they go to the two different Mexican restaurants. Yeah, it had a real dazed and confused feeling at that point. Right, wow, it's really like that kind of like feeling. Yeah. And then it goes, at this time, they had this dinner, and they went there, and then at this point, they were coming here. Right, right. And it's all like, this is exactly how it went. Until DiCaprio comes out with his margaritas right. and lights them up for being yeah. assholes, and, and that's when it changes. They go, we should kill the people who taught us to kill. Right, right. And that's when they decide they're not going to kill everybody there. <laughs> they're going to kill him. You ready to kill some piggies? You yeah. Know, oh, that shit. oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, that, that shit's great. Um, uh, and it's it's like... Unlike Inglorious Bastards or Django Unchained, the rest of the movie isn't leading you to think you're going to get that kind of ending, right? It's not yeah. all yeah. this over the top shit the whole time, right? It's a pretty subdued movie, yeah. As far as Tarantino movies go, so that that shit kind of catches you off guard at first, like yeah. Brad Pitt like slamming that girl oh, into the telephone repeatedly, and then the oh, mantle. That's like the worst yeah, one. You can yeah, literally hear the bone yeah, crunching yeah. in her face. And you know, it, it's awful, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, but she fucking deserves it's it. The man. fucking Manson people, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love Maya Hawke's character too. I mean, that's Uma Thurman's daughter right. played the one who got away. Mm-hmm. She was like. Oh, uh, I left my yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, in yeah. the car, or my meth or whatever in the car. Give me the keys. Right, right. It's just dries off. She's just gone. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and I, I think I already talked about this, but DiCaprio coming out and screaming at them, this mechanical asshole, like, it just <laughs> fucking kills. That's why I think, like, the more times I watch this movie, I'm like, I think this is DiCaprio's movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think he does such a, a wonderful over-the-top job in this movie, which – at this point, I want to circle back to that whole sequence where he's filming that like walk-on part that he has in that Western TV show. That new I think TV it show, is. he's the heavy. Yeah, yeah. Because he's fucking amazing in that. You know, I love. I love after he like right. psychs himself up in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. what was that? What the fuck was that? Which I think I read before was improvised. Was like, it? I mean, oh. like obviously, like. That was supposed to happen yeah. in the trailer, but I don't think the lines were written or something. I think DiCaprio improvised a lot of that. Like, I, I couldn't just right. stop at two drinks. You had to have eight fucking whiskey sours, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and he's screaming at himself in the mirror. And, you know, uh, I mean, that shit is fucking great. All the stuff before that is awesome because he starts out acting pretty well, you yeah. know? And then then it all just falls apart and he gets creepy as hell. Line. He's like, line. <laughs> and the director's trying to be like, use that. And he's like, oh, I'm going to use it. And you can see, like, the main actor is all, like, a little yeah. uncomfortable with the yeah. way this is going. Yeah. DiCaprio's got that ridiculous handlebar mustache and that like goofy coat that he's wearing. Um oh, but the scene with the little girl actress though. And that is the yeah. best fucking scene yes. right there, man. And and it's 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 I call it that because the first time you watch that scene it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. But this, you know, you come back to that scene and you're like, oh man, there's just so much happening here. So the first time you watch it, it's just, it's fun. Like he walks up, like he sits down, like he's trying to talk to her and she's like this fucking smart ass eight year old mm-hmm. method actor, you know? And she's like, he's like, who are you? And she says her character's name and he's like, no, no, who are you? And she's like, no, I, I prefer to be called by my character on set, yeah. you know, like all yeah. that shit. Um, I don't like names like pudding pie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pumpkin puss. <laughs> pumpkin yeah. Puss, yeah. <laughs> but since you're upset, we'll talk about that later. You know, that actress, whoever she is, she's fucking great. Yeah, you know? she was awesome. Anyways, love- that's all funny. He starts yeah. crying about the book, you know, and everything. But then you come back and you're like, this is actually like, you know, on two different levels. Like, this is a pretty profound scene, right? Because mm-hmm. on one level, it's um, a reflection of Hollywood of that era. You know, there were um, the actors like the Humphrey Bogarts or the, you know, 
the Dean Martins, you know, the people who just, it was like, I read the lines, you know, and it's, yeah. it's like, that's what you did. You went in front of the camera and you read the lines. And then in the late fifties, you had Marlon Brando and the method acting yeah. thing happen. And now by the late sixties, when this movie is set, you had all these, you know, disciples of that school, right? So it's, it's him confronting that it's him. Like he's the old school. She's the method actor. So all that's going on. And then, you know, at its most fundamental level, it's just his midlife crisis. You know what I mean? He's, he's talking about easy breezy, but it's obviously about him. You know, how far are you into the book? About halfway. You know, and he yeah, starts, yeah. he's not as good as he used to be. He's not the best anymore. You know, like all that. Oh, shit. yeah. I had that same thought too about how it's that, that transitional period between where Hollywood was more focused on the star. Yeah. It was all about the, the person playing the character was the draw. Yeah. But then it transitioned to that. No, it's the character right. that's the draw. It's you're mm-hmm. going to see the acting and be immersed in it. Right. And that's where you see that, like that crossover right. where he goes from being the guy who played that guy right. to being like, that was the best acting I've ever seen. Right, exactly. Like he just mm-hmm. like lets mm-hmm. it all hang out right. because he's like, well, he learned something from that little girl and but right. just letting it go and channeling things. Yeah. You went from yeah. John Wayne always playing John Wayne, Humphrey Bogart, who right. I love. I don't mean this as an insult, but no, Humphrey Bogart always yeah. playing Humphrey Bogart. Right. You know, to Marlon Brando as um uh Stanley Kowalski in Streetcar Named Desire or um Terry Malloy in On the Waterfront. You know, I mean he That's what he saves his career too. Would 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 absolutely disappear yes. into the character yeah. Yeah. to bring the character to life. Yeah. And, um yeah, so all that's great. And then that scene you were talking about, the the where he kind of does that at the end, or is, is it Luke Perry that walks in at yes, that point? It is, like, yeah. Yeah. I think that's his last role. I had to look role. it up. I'm like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> Sad, I think yeah. that was his yeah. last role, right? But he, you know, he, he, uh, you know, he does, um, you know, that whole intense thing where you can literally see like his eyes bulging yeah. and um, throws her on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was wearing padding. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. She's uh, that, that actress is great. She's hilarious. The stuff she says, she goes, I throw myself on the ground for fun, even when I'm not acting. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, but, I forgot you, about that line. <laughs> you mentioned like that. This is a DiCaprio's movie, but and I got to go back and say like, he is a certain like heart of, of his role for sure. But I, I really think it's Pitt, man. That's what I thought the first time I saw it too. So I, I'm, you're not going to get an argument from me. I, I, I think that it's an oh, excellent. I hope. I thought we were going to have a dissension. Cast I'm coming over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you beat me to it. We haven't had any bells yet no. this whole night. It's been very somber tonight. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just feel like like Pitt had more of the center of yeah. everything is without like his story and him being there at the right time right. and still being. That last night that he was going to be attached to DiCaprio's figure, that's the only reason he's there right. is because because this is what happens when you separate this kind of partnership. You get drunk together, right. and he just was there because that was what was preordained. Right. And if he wasn't there, then none of that Manson shit would have gone correctly the way that Tarantino right. wanted it to. They would have come in, they would have killed DiCaprio's new wife, then they would have killed him. Right. right? And that would have been the mm-hmm. end of it. But because Pitt's character was there... The whole fucking thing changes. Right. And we got that all established when he's beating the shit out of fucking Bruce right. Lee. Fucking Bruce Lee. <laughs> That's a scene we should talk about. Oh, he never yeah. lost a fight, right? Like, like Bruce Lee kicks everyone's ass. So this, yeah. this, this, this is a scene I keenly remember laughing at in the theater. And I, and I fucking love Bruce Lee. I, you mm. know, I've seen a bunch of his movies. I've said in previous casts that I'm a huge Wu Tang fan. Mm. So at a certain point in my life, I went back and watched a lot of these old, 
martial arts movies because, you know, Wu-Tang always sampled those movies mm-hmm. in the music. So I, I've seen a bunch of his movies. I think he's great. You know, Enter the Dragon. That, that shit's fucking yeah. awesome, right? <laughs> and when I saw that scene in the theater, it didn't occur to me that it was offensive in any way. I was like, it's kind of funny. It's like yeah. Bruce Lee's characters were always cocky in the movies. Yeah. You know, he was yeah. the character, not the man. The character right. was cocky in the movies. And this is supposed to be an extension of a Bruce Lee character. And it's meant to just be funny. Like, what if what if Bruce Lee fought a guy in real life who's like a badass war hero who might yeah. have killed his wife, you know? And um, But that afterwards uh, was it generated controversy like bruce lee's Mm. family and estate like found it offensive and they felt it didn't represent him as a person and then there was like allegations that this was somehow a a caricature and maybe even racist and um tarantino took a lot of heat for that scene Hmm. yeah it's all on the internet and go read about it Interesting. I think it's bullshit. I, I, I mean, I just think people need to have a sense of yeah, humor. I don't see you know? racism <laughs> like, in that. I, I just think people need to have a sense of humor, man. Yeah, like, it's yeah. just, honestly, it's just like, dude, wouldn't it be funny if Brad Pitt fought Bruce Lee? Yeah. And, yes. and it's not an autobiography of Bruce Lee. It's not trying mm-hmm. to tell you, no. like, this is what the man was like. It's just trying to say, like, okay, let's take the guy you know from Enter the Dragon, that character, yeah. right? And let's have Brad Pitt fight him. Like, that's that's as far as well, that clearly comes, he's man. playing yeah. this pompous, I know right. everything about, like, fighting a man and that right. kind of thing. And that's why he laughs at him right. and they have that moment. He throws him in the car. Right. It's, it's awesome. What would happen if you fought Muhammad Ali? I would make him a cripple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Bruce, I can't see Bruce Lee ever saying that. Never, no, nobody who knows him would actually felt that. No. So I I, I found the whole thing, like, absurd. But that's, you know, that was a very, you know, became a controversial scene. Hmm. So, I don't know. I I thought it was hilarious, you know. Uh, Maybe because the whole movie didn't quite have that tone. Yeah. You know, uh, as opposed to Django, which was, like, clearly parody. Right. The the entire Western and then uh, slavery institutions. Right. That's why I got flack. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But, yeah. but I, I, I remember watching it the first time and I just enjoyed it very much. I thought it was funny, you know, like uh, kind of pretty for a stuntman, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not saying anything funny. So what are you laughing at? Yeah. It's like you kind of did. <laughs> yeah. I don't. We've been as typical Tarantino fashion a little out of order. Yeah. So did we cover everything? Did that we I got mean, to? There, there was sure a little stuff there. we missed. You know, it's funny. We, it's we, only been an hour, guys. We We've started got three more booked out for this. Has so. it been an hour? It has oh, been an wow. hour. I think it's it about that. Fast. It's, We've um, you know, the last few casts, I think we we have gone in order because they're more plot driven movies. Yeah. This is just such. It's like Pulp Fiction. It's just yeah. such a hangout movie. You can come in yeah. and out of it. There's scenes that you like. You know, right. you could pick it up at any point. You could watch it out of order. Like it's just one of those movies. That's another thing I really enjoy about it. Yeah, it's a return to form in a way. Yeah. So if you think about the retrospecticus of uh, <laughs> of uh, Tarantino's career, Did you need me to turn and cough. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. The um, obviously Mike is putting this at the pinnacle of Tarantino Mountain for the moment until we see what happens with this final film. Yeah, pending mm-hmm. the last one. Adam, what do you mm-hmm. think? Oh, you know, so I think I got spoiled with the plot the like acting in the plot driven nature of Django. Yeah. And I had actually told I don't remember if it was the full cast chat um or if it was just to you Mike that I said like I think I found a new favorite. Yeah. Mm. But I actually meant Django when I said that. Oh gotcha. <laughs> and I, I didn't want to that. say it then because yeah. I was just waiting for like this conversation to say it. But yeah. it's it, oh so like Django is so good man. Django is so good 
I'm going to go back and rewatch this one. Yeah. I don't know that I'm going to buy it yet. Right. I probably will. What they do like the Tarantino 10 download right. retrospective for 130 bucks, then I'll buy it. I think it's damn. That is hard. Cuz right now I'm thinking like Django Pulp. Yeah. Hollywood. Hmm. Or Django Hollywood pulp, like I, yeah. I have to sit and think about that more. Yeah, there's, there's, but, there's no wrong order of Tarantino movies. Yeah, there really isn't. Unless but, you put Death Proof at the top, then you're wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah then proof. you're a certain kind of Tarantino fan. That's proof. right. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's where I'm at right now. Like, yeah. No, I, I told rated. people for years after Django came out that I thought it was one of the very few finest films of the 21st century. Hmm. Uh, it was. It was in the conversation for my favorite Tarantino film. Um, like I said, just until I saw this one, Once Upon a Time. You know, there seems to be a trend with me. Like, when yeah. everyone came last, yeah. you know. You know, I, I got to be honest with you guys. I, For me, the quintessential Tarantino, like, moment still for, comes from Kill Bill 1 and 2. Hmm. I put those, and I guess that's more of an experiential thing. Like, it's like that, you know, like, the, the, that the first kind of feeling for me yeah. it was like really my first cinema experience with Tarantino and not watching it at home, but watching it in a, in a theater. And, you know, I guess it's the nostalgia factor that keeps it in my head is like, no, that's, that's my quintessential Tarantino right. experience mm-hmm. is like watching Kill Bill and being in awe of right, just right. like how awesomely absurd it was. And I, like he's like, you've all said, I, all of his films to a very small extent, death proof, but, <laughs> like eight out of nine of the films are just imminently rewatchable. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. I will sit there all day and be like, Oh, that's on, or I'm going to put that on because if you want just to have a good cinema experience, you cannot go wrong with no. any of these no, movies. No, you can't. And I, I gotta say Hollywood is up there. Even uh hateful eight is up there for me. I did. Right. There's so much to love about that too. I just, for me, it's, I go back to just the, 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 all the stuff that came together in, in Kill Bill One right. and then Two that I I look at that as my yeah. top of Tarantino mm-hmm. Mountain. Well, I mean, while we're doing our re- retrospecticus, is that what we call this? God bless you. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I you know I I I put this at the top. The reason you know uh, that I would you know maybe give it the edge over Pulp Fiction is because Pulp Fiction is brilliant in that sense of what it did at its time and how influential it became and how rewatchable it is. But the way in which I think once upon a time is slightly superior to it is that once upon a time gives me so much to think about mm-hmm. that Pulp Fiction doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's a gangster film, right? Mm-hmm. And once upon a time is like, man, I'm thinking about old Hollywood and how cultures changed, changed. I'm thinking about like the movies, the music, I'm thinking about the historical stuff. I'm thinking about aging and mortality and the past versus like our present selves. I'm thinking about relationships because so much of the movie is Dalton and Brad Brad Pitt's character. I mean, to me, there's so many themes in this movie that really resonate with me walking away. That's why I give it the slight edge. I would put Pulp Fiction next for the reasons I already stated. And then it's sort of like a, you know, a B thing in Mm. terms of, of like, I would put Django and Inglorious. Right after, right after Pulp Fiction, maybe even even with it, I think wow. both of those two movies are just so fucking good. Well, in true nerds fashion, we have not agreed, <laughs> but in this case, it but agreed, wasn't. but disagreed. Yeah, yeah. In this case, we all had our own thing, right? Yeah. So, 
Oh, you guys it. are wrong, obviously. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, no. I, I would, I would agree with that. <laughs> I agree that you guys are wrong. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Fuck. There we go. All right. All right. We got it all in today. Yeah. So, watch them all is our recommendation. Yeah, Book out a weekend. Yep. Make it like Pokemon. Watch them all. Yep. Watch the movie. Listen to the Nerds Cast. Watch mm-hmm. the next movie. Listen to the Nerds Cast. Yep. That would be then wrong. Book two weekends. Right. Because we add just as much as Tarantino. Yeah. Oh, it seems that way. People are going to create casts about these casts. You know yeah. they're going to do that. Yeah. I really do think that they peaked in season. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm the whole. I'm not going to. Season two was a, a good one. Thing. What, are they gonna, good what are they going to realize that we're just AI voices and none of this is real? <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! Why did you break me? <laughs> yeah, it's not a tool. Ah! Uh, the oh sound gosh. of your MP3 player exploding. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> or the truth that this is actually a one-man cast with three different voices. Ooh! <laughs> one character actor. Give Sometimes at the same time, it's really talented. It's pretty amazing. There's this software called garage band where you can just <laughs> record and then you just copy paste it and oh, then you dude. just hit the auto-tune button oh okay there would be ways to do this i could yeah, record man. an entire cast of one voice with pauses then i can create a whole second one that plays against it. we are Check split out this and then the cast must be out of your goddamn mind man, let's get us free of some of my weekends huh? <laughs> well you know what actually this isn't too far off from where we're going we've got some surprises for you yeah, uh man. listeners uh, one of them being we're going to read uh, Jordan Peele's collection of uh, modern horror called Out There Screaming. Uh, so that's not too much of a surprise because it's a return to form for us going back to literature. Um, yeah. And we're going to disagree about everything except for one piece, I think, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. we've already already kind of like side chatted before. Which will either receive our unanimous love or extreme hatred. Oh, I think they know which one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, think they, they do. Uh, and we've been throwing around this idea of playing with uh, Chat GPT and having a Chat GPT read aloud mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. afternoon. Yeah, that'd be a ton um, of fun. Yeah, that would. Yeah, as teachers, uh, I've been playing with it for fun, and I've been doing things like write me a spaghetti western. <laughs> now set it in space. Write me a Lovecraftian. So, so are ahead. we? Are we going to do like a radio drama? I think we could do that. Oh dear God! I am so. Think- I am so I, hard for that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one sitting closest to Sean, so I'm not sure how to react right now. What, what's that sound? At the table. Oh, <laughs> I believe you dropped your pen. <laughs> but, you know, some ideas coming up. Uh, for sure, we're going to do the Jordan Peele piece next. Out yep, there yep. screaming came out about two months ago, uh, maybe mm-hmm. a month and a half. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll be robots from ChatGPT. <laughs> oh, that sounds so too, cool. That right? would be fun. All right. Until then, dear listeners, thank you so much for your time. We are at Nerds of the Old Republic at gmail.com. <laughs> Fuck all social media. Yeah. Just immediately write to us. That's fine. Yes, yeah, thank you. We've quit it. Social media is, is the precipitous of the downfall of society. Indeed. And I'm done trying to figure out what the fuck you call the thing you do on X. Am I Xing? <laughs> Am I like, I don't get it. What's the verb now? You're crisscrossing. It does make mm. me want to jump, jump. <laughs> oh, fuck me. I'm uh, sorry. Don't, don't try to compare us to another bad little fad. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Damn. Yeah, that was a well earned uh, note. Eh? That note. Uh, cheers. 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 <laughs>